My fellow investors, welcome back to another episode of the Newcomer Investor Channel, where we talk about stocks, share insights, and debate. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Before we get started with this podcast, I have to remind you that nothing I say in this podcast is financial advice. As you know, I'm just a random guy, so this is all for entertainment only. I'm not here to tell you what to do, I'm just sharing what I'm doing. But as you'll see uh, very soon in this episode, I make lots of mistakes. I have made mistakes in the past and I will continue to make them, so you must always do your own research. Never base your investing decisions on what some random person like me says. Okay, for today we have a juicy topic. Aritzia, is it time to double down or is it time to give up? Earnings on July 11th were brutal, my friends, and the resulting stock reaction the next day was crazy. The stock was down more than 20% in a single day. This mirrors the 24% drop that we saw at the last quarterly earnings when I decided to start a position in this business. Now, I have said this in this podcast numerous times, and hopefully by now you know me enough to know this, but I am not a stock guru. I have some strong convictions on some businesses like Brookfield and Canadian National Railway, and I like to think that most of the time I do enough research to have a decent understanding of the business and the factors that may or may not affect it and how it can generate value. However, what I don't have is a crystal ball. And wow, I wish I had one for Aritzia. Now, originally when I bought the stock, I genuinely thought we were at or at least close to the bottom. I really did not expect two consecutive drops like this. And you know what? These events are really good, humbling moments. While it hurts your wallet, and for public figures, it hurts your ego, that is also when we learn the most. Now, my most immediate lesson here was that for a more volatile kind of stock, even if an opportunity may feel great, it's best to start your positions small and build them up over time. That way, if you're wrong, it doesn't hurt too much. Now, in my case, I was actually very lucky to have done that. And I say it in complete humility. This wasn't due to my, you know, smart investing or decisions. It wasn't me who said, I'm going to start small and then build it up. Rather, what happened is I just had a very small amount of capital available when I started my position and it came fully from my dividends. So I just decided to put it there. And that at the time was about 0.4% of portfolio. So a fairly small amount. And I'm glad that I was restricted by just not having more available cash. Um, I'm also glad I didn't sell something else to put it in Aritzia, for example. So for me, that's probably my biggest lesson here. Now, the good news is, as I had mentioned, even though I saw this one as an opportunistic buy, I was and am prepared to hold on to it for a while because I do like the long-term story very much. But what is that long-term story? Let's remind ourselves what is Aritzia, what is their long-term plan, and then we'll look at what happened this quarter and my closing thoughts and plan. So a quick refresher. Aritzia is a vertically integrated design house. They own a portfolio of various clothing brands to fit various audiences. Now their focus is on good design, quality materials, and timeless styles. They call this everyday luxury. In a nutshell, it's close to luxurious clothes, but at a price that a normal person can kind of afford. Now, they were founded in 1984, and they've grown ever since, with a strong footprint in Canada and growing in the US. They have over 100 retail stores that they are constantly expanding, and they also have a rapidly growing e-commerce segment. Firstly, just a few numbers. 
From their 2019 to 2023 full-year results, their revenue compound annual growth rate, or CAGR, was 24%, and their adjusted net income CAGR was 23%. Their plan from today to full-year 2027 is a 15-17% to net revenue CAGR, which is less than the explosive growth they had, but it's still very decent if they can execute. Now, we cannot understate the importance of retail for Aritzia's strategy. If you believe that COVID was a transformational moment that kills retail forever, then this is not a stock for you. Let's be real, Aritzia is a retail play. Now, as at the end of the quarter they just reported, Aritzia counts 115 stores. Those stores are designed to look beautiful and make you feel good. There are 68 in Canada and 47 in the US. Virtually all the new stores now are built in the US. For this fiscal year, they're planning eight new American stores and four expansions or repositionings. They are guiding for eight to 10 new stores and three to five repositionings all in the US until fiscal 2027, which would bring them to a total of 150 stores. And in total, they plan to increase their retail square footage by 60% by 2027. Opening stores fulfills two main purposes. Not only does it boost their sales in the local market it opens in, it also increases their brand awareness and results in jumps in their e-commerce in that area as well. If you look at the map of their stores, you'll see that they are focusing on more affluent areas, big cities where people tend to have money to spend. Now in Canada, this includes cities like my home city of Toronto. In the US, this includes big cities on the east and the west coast, and also big cities in Florida and Texas. For new stores, the average payback period is 12 to 18 months. And that's the time that they need to get their money back from their initial investment of opening that store. Now, I listened to their super long Investor Day presentation, and a whole part of that presentation was dedicated specifically to their real estate strategy. Now, I'm not a huge expert in the fashion space, but it was quite fascinating to listen to because you realize the importance of the quality of the location and how certain shopping malls will give them preferential treatments because the brand power that they've achieved means they generate huge traffic. So if you're into the REITs space and you follow companies like RioCan or Smart Centers, you'll see some of the parallels and some of the things I'm talking about. I talk a lot about Walmart's important relationship with Smart Centers, uh, as an example, and Walmart is so important to Smart Centers that they get preferential terms. So Aritzia, while it's not as huge as Walmart, they attract a lot of interest. Aritzia's second big pillar moving forward is e-commerce. They are investing massively in providing the best, most seamless experience for consumers, Fun fact, in my current employment, without giving anything away, I work in a cross-functional kind of setting, and uh, probably the majority of my focus is on our e-commerce segment. So this is an area that I can look at and I understand. When I look at how Aritzia is tackling this, I can see they're working extremely hard to build a truly world-class platform and experience. They are putting in effort to develop real Omni capabilities. Now, when we talk about Omni-channel, this basically means total flexibility for the consumer. You can view online, buy in store, buy online, ship from store, buy online, pick up in store, whatever you want, really. Now, all this stuff sounds really simple and kind of like a no-brainer, right? But I can tell you behind the scenes, it's actually really, really difficult to do this kind of stuff, to do it well. Uh, not only from the logistics perspective of moving actual physical items, but also the technology behind it. There's a lot of smart people behind all these processes to deliver these wonderful experiences, and Aritz is investing a lot in that. Now, like I said, e-commerce is a big pillar in their strategy, and they plan for that segment in 2027 to be as big as the entire Aritzia business is today. 
Now, everything I just described, that was the long-term story. And as we know, the retail space is never linear. And I'd argue global history has not been exactly linear the last four years. Remember, we had a global pandemic. Now we've got an inflation crisis. Uh, and I believe we've also got the fastest rise in interest rates at least in the last 40 years. That's a lot of macro shocks that we're dealing with all at the same time. And companies aren't immune to that. That means that even with a long-term story that is widely positive, it's still going to be rocky along the way. Now let's dive into what happened this quarter specifically. Let's begin with a few numbers. Net revenues increased 13.4% to $462 million. That is a double-digit increase, which on a first look sounds good. However, this includes all stores, including the new ones that were built. It looks a lot less good when you consider comparable sales, which also increased, but only by 4%. US revenues increased 21.8% to $251 million and comprised 54% of net revenue. That is a good thing. It's been a plan for Aritzia to continue their expansion into the US for a while. As we know, the Canadian market is mature. It's a little oversaturated. So Aritzia's future growth story will really materialize from those American E-commerce net revenues increased by 12.5% and comprised 29% of revenues. That's also nice. Now let's look at some of the problems. The gross profit margin declined quite a bit from 44.3% to 38.9%. If you did not know the gross margin, it's essentially the percentage of revenue after the cost of goods sold. It's a little more complicated, but I'm simplifying. Let's say I sold $1 million worth of cloves and it cost me 300,000 to make those cloves. Then my gross profit margin is 1 million minus 300,000 equals 700,000. And then we divide that by the revenue again, which is 1 mil. So my gross profit margin is 70%. So here in the case of Aritzia, Last year, the gross margin was 44%, and now it's down to 38%. So that's not good. The net income, that's the profit, fell 47.5% to $17.5 million, and their adjusted net income per share cratered to $0.10 cents per share compared to $0.35 cents per share last year. So we can't sugarcoat this. Those are not good numbers. Now, first looking at the revenue side, uh, the management team noted a deceleration starting in June. They highlighted two reasons. The first one, and it's probably most obvious to all, they attribute it to the macro situation. As we've mentioned, I mean, people are getting crushed right now with those interest rates and inflation. And of course, people are starting to reprioritize what they spend their money on. Now, if, I, if my memory is correct, I'm pretty sure I said in the last episode I made about Aritzia that I personally believe that even though it was a consumer discretionary kind of stock, people would still want to spend money on it because, you know, feeling good, looking good is important to people. And I still believe this to some extent, but of course, maybe I was a little overconfident here. So hey, mea culpa, I was wrong here. Comp sales, like I said, are still up, but they're just not gonna explode uh, like explosive growth like we've seen before. And that's fair enough, you know? The second issue that they brought up, which they presented more as an opportunity, was actually in the lack of newness of some of their products. And this is where it really gets into the, the details of fashion trends and so on. So what happened over the last two years, and, and they mentioned this a few times in the earnings call, uh, you know, in two years they grew 75% and then they grew 47% afterwards. So super massive growth. What happened, of course, this is good news, but it also means they were playing catch up for a while. They had to focus on just having available products for people to, to meet that incredible demands that surged in these last two couple of years, right? Now, because they were playing that catch-up game, what happened is they were mostly 
doing variations of existing items rather than coming up with more new products, which is what they used to do before. So they've identified this as an opportunity now, and they are focused for moving forward to actually go back to the more uh, usual standards type of new versus variation mix. So that's good. They've identified the issue. They know that they have to work on that. Now, another reason for the decline in net income has been also on the cost side. Costs have been elevated, uh, and it's really related to a lot of all their projects that they're finishing up. So one, for example, is an upgrade to their point of sale system. The other is the rollout of that omni-channel service I was talking about. They're also, like I said, still catching up on that infrastructure. So that includes technology, that includes store development. Remember, if your e-commerce segment grows so hard, you need to grow new facilities, right? So you have to build facilities or expand the existing ones. So they've been working on all these things, again, to catch up with the demand. Now, the good news is as they continue growing, this provides more and more opportunities for economies of scale. So they've identified also more areas where they can actually cut some costs and more things that will be optimized over time. Some other good news, their guidance for 2027 with these results that we had just now is still unchanged. They expect a lot of these big costs to be normalized in the second half of the year. I was also very pleased and surprised they talked about the buyback program that they have. Uh, since the start of the current program, they repurchased 282,000 shares. That's about $10 million worth. Uh, they continue to target repurchases, and they said as they grow their cash balance through the back half of this year, they may look at buying even more uh, opportunistically at, they say, a slightly elevated pace from what they've seen. So, you know, a business in distress generally doesn't buy back shares or doesn't even consider it. So it is nice to see that they have that confidence in them to keep doing that. Now, considering all this information after really digesting this quarter, what do I plan to do? If you know me, it's probably not a surprise, but I plan to actually do nothing. I may buy a little bit, again with dividends, but I am certainly not selling out of this investment. My friends, I am a long-term investor. I don't like to invest quarter to quarter because a lot of things can change, right? If we go back to looking at a stock like Facebook that everyone hated a year ago and that all of a sudden everyone loves, to me the business fundamentals of Facebook have kind of remained the same the whole time. They just had a moment when they spent a little more on CapEx and then now they're spending less. And I see something similar when it comes to Aritzia. I'm focused on their long-term growth story and I like it very much. Now, of note, they did mention that uh, in their guidance for the next quarter, it's actually also not going to be very good. But they mentioned that overall for the year, they're guiding for 2 to 7% revenue growth and then more growth in the years after. So far, management has been very competent and credible. So I am inclined to believe them. And as a result, I'm inclined to hold on to my stock. I don't believe the bears that say that the entire Aritzia thesis is broken. You know, I've seen a couple people... Uh, tweet at me that it's over, Aritzia's finished, no one likes them anymore. I, I, I don't see that reflecting in the numbers and the data, so I will choose to hold for now. Anyhow, my friends, these are my thoughts on Aritzia as of July 14th. Of course, things could change with new data, but for now, this is how I feel about it. I also have more stuff to talk about regarding my portfolio, but I'll actually do that in a separate episode that should come out pretty soon as well. My friends, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, I urge you to give us a five-star rating on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts uh, or give us a subscribe on YouTube. Thank you all for listening to the Newcomer Investor channel, and I look forward to connecting again with you soon.